Welcome to Fit for Duty, the podcast elevating occupational health. I'm Dr. Larry Earle, president of the National Association of Occupational Health Professionals. As guardians of workplace health, we stand at the intersection of well-being and success. Fit for Duty delves into hot topics, OSHA-regulated exams, workers' comp, drug testing, and so much more. Join us for practical tips, real stories, and conversations that spark change. Whether you're a seasoned professional or passionate about healthy workplaces, Fit for Duty is your roadmap to a fitter, safer, and more productive workplace. Subscribe now on all major podcast platforms. Let's shape a future where well-being fuels workplace excellence. This is Fit for Duty with Dr. Larry Earle. Welcome back to Fit for Duty, the podcast where we roll up our sleeves and get down to the nitty-gritty of keeping workers healthy and productive. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Earle, and today we're tackling a critical piece of the puzzle, exceeding expectations for customer service in occupational medicine. It's not just about making bandages feel like badges of honor. Though a little positivity never hurts, we're talking about exceeding expectations for everyone involved keeping employees feeling informed and supported, and building rock-solid relationships with the companies that trust us with their workforce. Joining me to bring her customer service expertise to the team is the one and only Barbara Kazam. Barbara is not just a world-renowned keynote speaker. She's a customer service magician known for turning frowns into high fives faster than you can say post-injury evaluation. And get this, she's also a killer volleyball player. Talk about exceeding expectations. Hey, Barbara. Hi, Doc. Wow. Thanks for the intro. That was quite something. <laughs> and I love, you know what? I really love the everyone involved focus because, you know, we need to keep the whole ecosystem healthy and happy in occupational medicine. That's what makes it rewarding. We're going to dig into communication strategies for clear, timely updates on cases, exams, and pretty much everything in between. We're also going to explore keeping patients informed and engaged, even when we have to deal with the tough news. And of course, I'm going to share tips on building trust and loyalty with employer clients, making them feel like we're an extension of their team, not just a check mark on a compliance list. We're going to talk about that and so much more. Yay. <laughs> Perfect. Buckle up, everyone, because Barbara's about to serve up customer service aces like she spikes volleyballs. We'll talk about <laughs> navigating these tricky situations, fostering a positive practice culture, and even using technology to our advantage. So this is an episode you're not going to want to miss. So, uh, Barbara, are you ready to unleash your customer service wisdom on the Fit for Duty world? Yes, Larry, I'm ready. Let's play ball. Okay, stay tuned, folks, because in a moment, Barbara and I will dive deep into the art of exceeding expectations in occupational medicine. All right, let's get started. Hey, Barbara. How can we effectively communicate diagnoses and treatment plans to patients in a way that's clear, concise, and empathetic, especially when we're dealing with these sensitive work comp and other work-related topics? Larry, that's a great question, and I think you kind of just nailed it. It's uh, by being clear, concise, and empathetic. It's, but, like Empathy, 
I don't, I don't know if people realize the importance of empathy in all our communication, but especially with workers, if we have to deliver the bad news, well, we need to give them a little love in the process. I'm not just going to say, oh yeah, you, you, you can't work anymore and you're not going to get paid for it. See ya. Like that. No. Right. But we need to say, oh my gosh, you know what? I realize this is a tough situation. Like get in their shoes, right? Empathy is really the key. And then giving them maybe a plan of action or hope, you know, like, well, you can't do this, but let's see if we can get you to do this other job that doesn't require you to lift heavy things or whatever. So empathy is really the key to all of that, I think. Yeah, we're always talking about modified duties, right? So let's fit, uh, let's focus on what the functional abilities are of the patient and highlight those as positives, right? Well, you can do this. And, you know, it's important to, for your recovery to stay as productive as possible. So, yeah, I think, you know, taking that sort of an attitude exactly. is, is what, we, what we want to try to do. Yeah. yeah. So if they're unable to work, what, what sort of communication, does that change the communication strategies? How do we keep them sort of motivated through the recovery process from a customer service standpoint? Well, I think the key is consistent and positive communication. So we want to keep them in the loop. We want to let them know we're still working with them and you know asking them how they're doing, but we don't want to just kind of drop the ball. And I think what helps with that is like if we schedule, like if we can schedule it, like let's add technology into this. Because I think like with uh, a lot of practices they've got like a thousand employees at a company that they're dealing with. Well, how do you how do you manage that? Well, let's create a system. Let's use our technology. Let's put it in the calendar. Let's assign it to a certain person so that there is that consistent follow-up. You know, so it's it's keeping them keeping the communication going, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of that technology, I think there are a lot of EMR, EHR systems out there that do allow for electronic communication with patients, even in the work comp world. And I think the more you can connect with folks on that and, you know, it increases the level of communication overall that it would behoove, I think, most practices to explore those capabilities in their technology and make sure that you're using them fully. Absolutely. Just like you said, is there a place where they can proactively go and see their results or what's happened? Is there a portal or, you know, like any people love the technology nowadays, right? Televisits, virtual visits, you know, these options need to be part of the plan. Yeah, I think, you know, part of customer service is is the accessibility, making sure that you're taking advantage of every possible touch point communication channel with any of the patients. So same thing for employer clients, right? Let's move there for a little bit in building stronger relationships with employers. How do we make them feel like they, like we are truly invested in their workforces? What are some good communication techniques there? Well, what a lot of my clients will do, and you, I think, do this as well, is get to know that employer. Because not every company is the same. Not every company, not every employer has the same needs. So my successful clients will 
meet with them. They will actually go in, get to know, tour the facility. They will learn about the different jobs that their people do. So then they can offer services specific for that employer, not just here's, you know, here, here, here's what you need. You need a pre-employment test, but you do lots of other things. And I know a lot of uh, occupational health practices will hear of a problem and create a solution for them. But you need to get to know them first. You need to know what their challenges are, what are, what are their needs, and then you can create a plan specific for them. Yeah, right? we, we talk a lot about co-designing solutions for the specific workplace problems that a particular employer has. So I think you're absolutely right. You got to, you know, you got to know who they are, who the, who the main contact people are. And it might be different for workers' comp versus physicals. That might be someone in HR and the workers' comp contact might be, you know, a floor supervisor. So you got to make sure you know you know, who the right person is that you're going to communicate with so they get the right information. And those uh, site tours, I think, are invaluable uh, to really learn about the workplace itself. And uh, yeah, that's just absolutely uh, a part of great customer service with employers. It's also communicating like how you, anybody, communicate in the channel and and form that they want. So Like maybe they get a hundred thousand emails a day. Well, email's not going to work with them. Maybe they need a text or they need a, maybe they like voicemail. I personally can't stand voicemail. Larry, don't ever leave me a voicemail. Anyway, so maybe they prefer phone calls, but every person, and maybe it's a certain time of day that's better for them. You know, so we need to, that's another way of personalizing it for them. How do they prefer for you to communicate with them? Like just only send me messages on Mondays. That's the only day I want to, you know. Absolutely. So when you're creating an employer profile, right, something else we talk about, what's the employer profile look like? It should include line items for what's the most effective way to communicate with you. Do you want a phone call? Do you want me to text? Is there text? Do you want to use our employer portal? Do you want an email that uh, directs you to the secure employer portal? There are all these different possible ways. Do you still use faxes, right? I don't oh, even know what that no. is anymore, but some people still <laughs> will still use those. So you, you just have to know, and it has to be part of the profile. And again, that elevates the whole level of communication with the employer. Yeah, very good. Thanks. So let's say anything else in technology that you're seeing from, again, from a customer service standpoint that it, it tends to enhance communication and service, whether it's to the patient or to the employer? Well, it's kind of like I said earlier with the patients, it's creating workflows on your communication. So for example, if your goal is to get a drug test result to the employer in 24 hours, let's say that's an example, then is there a workflow created around that? So as soon as the work that the test is done, then you have a system where, okay, this person is assigned to get the result. And then it, this person then will check it or will send the email. Or, but there needs to be a, a workflow around it with specific activities assigned to certain people. Yeah. Because what I've seen is, 
like we have the activities, but no specific person is assigned to it. And everyone no thinks someone else is doing it. Oh, well, they did the test. So, oh, so-and-so did it last week, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it. If it's not assigned to a certain person, a lot of times it falls through the cracks and then yeah. the employer's like, hey, where's the result? And why didn't you get, and you never follow up. But there, need, there needs to be, a, and there's systems out there. There's CRM, a customer relationship management yep. software, or EHR systems have that in there where you can assign it specifically. Yeah. So again, technology, make sure you're using the technology. And you mentioned something I think is that is important. And that is that, oh, well, so-and-so did this test. Or when we're talking about providers, a lot of times, oh, that provider ordered the test. And it's in today, but they're not back on duty because we're an urgent care center and we work 12-hour shifts and they're not back on duty for three days from now. So, you know, we're just going to leave it for them to call back. Uh, no, whoever is there the next day needs to pick that up. And even if you didn't right. order it, you can't wait. You can't make the employer wait for three days for a result you've got in your pocket right now. Right? You've got to have systems and right. communication techniques to get that over to them today so they can make that hiring decision. Otherwise they lose that employee. They're going to go somewhere else. Right. So exactly. Yeah. So I, I think you really nailed it uh, on that. So any other specific communication skills and techniques that are essential for delivering excellent customer service in occupational medicine specifically? Well, I've been, I'm always been a big proponent of, and this may seem unrelated huddles, Daily Ooh. huddles or some kind yeah. because yeah. I was just interviewing someone from a company where they have different facilities, different departments, but every day they have a five-minute huddle. It starts with the frontline yep. folks. They, in that huddle, communicate this, a service message. It's like a culture piece. Like we're going to be, we're going to have a positive attitude. You know, it's a culture piece. Every department has the same message. But then what's cool is problems, like let's say on my team, uh-oh, we're short-staffed in or urgent care in this one urgent care place. We, we need some people. Oh, okay, well, let's get, maybe we could call some uh, people from other departments in. Or, But it starts at the bottom. If there's a problem at the first huddle, it goes up to the next round because what happens is the leader from that first huddle meets with the leadership team. It, they talk about whatever problems they heard. And if it needs need be, it'll go up to executives. There's like three or four different tiers of huddles. But what's cool is the problems that are arise can be resolved in like three to four hours. So it's kind of a bottom up and then an up down communication. So the communication is constantly flowing. So I love that model because the communication's open. Everyone knows what's going on every day on the teams. They feel part of the team. Employees do. And leaders know what's going on. They know the prop. It's beautiful. I, I, I just love, love yeah. it. So that's, uh, uh, I, I, I wish more people would do that. 
I, I have spoken to some very successful practices that implement the daily morning huddle. And it's not just for customer service. It's also for other, you know, problems, technical problems that might have come up with equipment during the way, during the day. But but those all relate to customer service, right? If you can't do a test or you you have to delay some kind of a treatment or some kind of a, any procedure for a patient, that certainly affects customer service. So I love those. Okay. So when my clients, when they create a, they have like, it's, it's technology again, but online, each department has a list of the problem that they call them pebbles in the shoe, but it's the little problems. Like we have one blood pressure cuff in, but we need like two of them are broken. Everyone's using one and we're all waiting around. Like what are the little problems that are in each of these different areas. And then you, as you fix them, you cross them off. I mean, it's pretty cool. So like employees can go there and they can see, oh, look, my problem is it's being addressed. Here's when it's going to be addressed and how it's going to be fixed or not. But everything's documented and everyone can see the progress. It's pretty cool. How are, the, how are those <laughs> displayed? Is that on a, like, a, like a Kanban board kind of a thing? Where here's the problem, it's moved over to, we're acting on it. Yeah, it's kind of like your, what is that board, that board program well, we, you use? We, there's so many. We use Trello, Asana, any, any Trello of those. Trello or of, something. Yeah, where you have a board and you can move the card. between. So each problem is a card, right? You make yes. a card out of it. Yeah. And, and then you move it along in the process of yeah. handling yeah. it and what's been done with it. Yeah, I love those systems. So some... Some do a, uh, use a program like that, but I have another client that they're just a small little practice independent. They have a, a, a whiteboard in the break room and it yeah. says, ID, and, and they like have paper and they stick it on, like they have a, but they love it. It works. Like they'll have an, a new idea and they'll physically move it from the new idea to the considering box and then yes. when it's done, they put it in the it's done box. Like they physically move it. So I don't care how it's done, right? But tracking same, it is important concept for here. Yeah, some, some way to track it and make sure that it's that it gets done. Yep. Love those systems. Right. Yeah. Great. Anything uh, else that helps create positive patient experiences when we have a very busy medical environment? What are some of your favorite things? Well, I think especially when it's Busy, when it's busy, I think these these daily huddles can help a lot because we could be like, okay, I know we're busy. Because you can be busy and still be nice to people. <laughs> Hope so, yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> I've heard that concept. <laughs> and I think sometimes the busier practices are even better for, like the patients can see that, you know, like I'm moving, hey, you know what, thanks for coming in, Larry. You know, I'll be right with you. You know, I'm going to be going over here, but we're with you. You know, yeah. Like you could create a positive culture with being low staffed as long as everyone's on the same page. And we know that, okay, we're going to communicate the wait times and we're going to let people know why there's a delay and how long it's going to be. And I'm going to check in on them in 15 minutes and I'm going to smile. I'm going to use their name and you can do all of it when you're busy. You know, that's, I don't think that's an excuse anymore. Yeah. There's about 
four or five good tips right there. Thank you. So how do we how do we train and motivate our staff to prioritize customer service techniques, just like you mentioned? What's the best way to train them? Yeah. So I think the best way that I've seen for my clients is when they have a a rock solid mission. I know people hate mission statements. Mission statements are stupid, but it really sets the foundation. You know, like our goal team, our goal here is to, that we are human beings helping human beings. You know, we are, we are empathetic and I don't care if that's a patient, an employer, a coworker, but that can set the foundation for how people behave, but it needs to be constantly reminded employees need to discuss what does, what does that look like in your job? You know, you, you're a, maintenance person. How can you do this? How can you be a human being? And, you know, so to me, when we have the big picture, when people see how they can deliver that big picture, they'll be more motivated and they'll, they'll be excited about their job because they, it's more than just a job. It's the value. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. Hey, you know, tell us a bit, little bit about, you've spoken all over the world, right? Tell us about what you've learned maybe from best practices somewhere else. How, does, how, do, your, how do your experiences oh. there translate into providing great customer service here? Okay. So what I have noticed, there's a theme in companies that have great customer service, they have great reviews, they have positive work environment and employees like each other. There's things in common. First thing, it starts at the top. So the lead physician or the CEO, the COO, CFO, they all buy into this principle. They have, they lead by example. So they are nice to people. They are servant leaders. They recognize people when they do well, they communicate. So they do all the right things. It starts at the top. But another big piece is the recognition. Companies that provide great service consistently recognize people consistently over time. I don't, I don't think we recognize people enough. You know, we recognize the superstars. We recognize the horrible people. But there's a big chunk of people in the middle who are good. They're great. They they do a fine job, but we don't recognize them at all. But while, come on, man, you came into work and you used that customer's name. Oh my gosh, that's great. Thank you so much. That's how we connect with patients. Yeah. We're not doing it, you know, and people crave recognition. Yeah. So we have to train not just the, uh, you know, customer service rep at the front desk, but the supervisors need to be trained how to promote that activity daily. Right. right? And providers, providers, you know, when they walk in and they don't say hi to front desk staff. Yeah. Or they don't. Uh, and then you wonder, well, why are the front desk staff rude? Yeah, sort of an elitist um, attitude. You yeah. can't, I mean, that's just it's so passe, right? You just can't, right. you can't be that. Today, I don't, I, it's pretty tough to be that surgeon who throws uh, equipment across the room, right? When they're pissed off about something. So, 
<laughs> from from all, I hope that still doesn't happen. It used to happen in my in my early career. Nice. But, uh, yeah, you, you hope that that's not an attitude that per, that pervades uh, in today's practices. So, Barbara, how do we balance the needs of both patients and employers in a way that is ethical and fair? They're two different things, right? We got a patient who's maybe afraid about their injury and they're they're hesitant to get back to work. They don't want to be re-injured. You know, we have to counsel them on how to do that at the same time, talking to an employer about, oh, we're, you know, we're going to do everything we can to get this injured worker back to work. So it's safety and it's, you know, cost, (laughs) safety for the uh, employee and then cost considerations and out of work constraints, productivity issues with the employer. How do we balance all that? That's a good question. So (laughs) I A lot of my clients tell me that the employer is the highest priority because they are paying the bills, right? They're they're really the the main client. But yet, like you said, we've got these patients that we need to deal with. So, I mean, to me, patient is always job one, right? It's always about what's the best thing we can do for our patients, realizing, but yeah, we have a client who's paying for it. That's right. So I think what... What my clients have told me is that what they do is they keep in mind when they're dealing with the patient, they keep in mind the goal of the client. Like, what does the employer want? They want to keep the employee at at work. Like, they don't want a recordable event, right? We want to save money, yeah. yeah. Right. Yet, okay. So I'm dealing with this patient. Yet I still, if if it's a recordable event, it's we need to be honest about that, but, or I, or can we put a bandaid on, you know, so it's dealing with the patient while having the goal in mind of the client, but still being ethical with both. So I think you can't forget one when you're with the other, right? So I think we need to know what the priority is, but we can still be empathetic, right? With the patient, if we have to deliver bad news, if we tell them why it's happening and give them options, we can satisfy both, right? Absolutely. Hey, Barbara, tell us about your uh, volleyball background. I want to know, I'm sure that there, you know, there are team experiences that, that you learn there that you translate into your work. Tell us about that. Oh, golly. Beach volleyball is my thing. You still play. Oh, yeah. I I play every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. In in San Diego. So, volley. Yep. Down in San Diego. Come on down. I'd love to beat you. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. Well, you wouldn't have any trouble doing that, I'm sure. So, so tell us us about your volleyball career. What volleyball has taught me is, and I, I apply it to my job and customer service is as well as, first of all, I play beach doubles, right? Two on two. So you have to be nice to your partner. Hello. (laughs) You have to be nice even when they're not being nice to you, right? Like two, same thing with a customer or an employer. Like if they're mean to you and you're mean to them, that's not going to work. So I've learned that the not take it personal you know, if they're getting mad because they're frustrated and they take, 
I, I can't take it personal, right? So that same thing with customer service, constant learning. Like with beach volleyball, I need to al- always be in shape. I need to constantly improve my skills, even though I've been doing it for forever, right? Same thing with customer service. We want to continually, let's get updated on the latest Ahmed stuff. Let's constantly communicate new things, new ideas. Let's, let's be open with the partner about new strategies. So there's a lot of things you can equate to customer service in volleyball. Yeah, Thank I think you, that's volleyball. an interesting concept is conditioning, right? You're, you're talking about, on the one hand, you're talking about physical conditioning, but by the same token, if you last did a customer service in service for your staff, you know, five years ago, and it's not continually presented to them in small pieces all the time, does that really have much value? Have you become deconditioned to that initial training, right? That's right. And you people forget, right? Like if I'm not constantly practicing or getting in shape, I, I'm, my skills are going to suffer, right? The basic fundamental skills need to be constantly be practiced and reminded yeah. and, you know. Yeah, it's, it's got to be ongoing, ongoing training and practice. Right. Uh, uh, you know, which, le- which leads to, again, Barbara has some very interesting customer service training specifically made for occupational medicine practices. It's available at NAOHP, and we will put links uh, to that in the uh, show notes that we have here. And of course, it's on our website at NAOHP.com. So that is available. And Barbara, any, any parting shots, any parting spikes here that you want to leave our audience with today? Ooh, parting spikes. I like that. Yeah. Parting spikes. <laughs> How about just when in doubt, kill them with kindness? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like even if you mess up, if you mess up with an employer or with anybody, you know, what? Apollo, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That shouldn't have happened. We should have gotten back to you sooner. You know what? I'm here now. Here's what I can do. And I'm going to fix this, right? Perfect. Like be kind, admit mistakes, do what you say you're going to do and smile. Ha <laughs> ha. Absolutely. Thank you, Barbara Kazam. (laughs) Exceeding expectations in customer service for occupational medicine practices. Uh, This is Fit for Duty. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Barbara. And that wraps up this episode of Fit for Duty. Thanks for joining me today, everyone. I hope you found this conversation as engaging and informative as I did. As always, building healthier, happier workplaces starts with knowledge and collaboration. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to Fit for Duty wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you'll never miss a beat when it comes to the latest trends, best practices, and inspiring stories in occupational health. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and keep elevating workplace excellence.